Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And I hope that everybody had a fabulous weekend. We have got quite the lineup this week for uh, the Must Read Alaska show. I have guests every single day. I think I have two on one on one particular day. So we will have six new shows this week, which is very exciting for us. And we want to thank everybody that listens, watches, and reads Must Read Alaska. Uh, we do this for you all, everybody, the everyday person that just lives in Alaska and cares about news. Uh, we exist to to give you the news. And so we we want to thank you for being a part of Must Read Alaska. If you if you want to help keep the lights on in Must Read Alaska, which we would really appreciate, you go to mustreadalaska.com and on the right-hand side there, there's a little button that says donate $5, $10, $100. Hey, heck, if you want to give a million dollars, we'll take it. Every little donation helps keep the lights on. And we're very proud uh, of this show, we've, I don't know, at any given month, we're top 200 on iTunes. And recently, the American Association of Marketing and Communication just gave us two major awards, which is very exciting. So, but without further ado, we have a very special guest today, somebody who has been in the polling world in Alaska since 1996, owns his own polling firm. He's probably been doing polling longer than most people even care to be involved in politics here in Alaska. Ivan Moore, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. Thank you, John. It's good to be here. Yes, well, I've been doing it for far too long. <laughs> well, Ivan, you've been doing this for a while now, and we were just talking before the show of, a, of some cool things that your firm is doing to kind of move polling into the 21st century. What used to be old school, kind of one methodology of doing polls, you're now shifting it. Talk to me a little bit about this new idea, new concept that you're bringing to the table. Sure. Um, so yeah, going back to 1996, back in 1996, the polling uh, business was easy because all of us just had landlines, right? Uh, and of course, all your younger viewers probably don't have any idea what we're talking about. Um, but you know, there were even rotary dial phones in those days. I mean, crazy. Um, but we would do landline telephone service. The first challenge that came along started in about the year two, you know, when we turned 2000, um, people started to get rid of their landline phones and adopt kind of cell only, right? And that posed a problem to us as to at what point we were going to start rolling cell phones in and how people would react when we called their cell phones. Um, and it happened fairly shortly after that. And to our surprise, we actually found that people were pretty receptive. I mean, there were there were those usual ones who said, hey, how did you get my number? And what are you calling me on this line for? But not a lot, right? Um, people, and I, I guess I figured that people who have cell phones they kind of like talking on their phone. That's why they've got a cell phone. They can't leave it, right? That They have to take it with them. So um, that whole shift to cell phone happened between like 2003 
and finished in 2015, where I basically said it's not worth calling landlines anymore, um, and went to a 100% cell phone deal. So it took more than a decade wow. for that whole shift to happen. But lately, last two or three years, we've moved completely from telephone methodology to doing text to online or SMS to web, actually MMS to web. We always use um, MMS, uh, including a graphic. Um, and people get that popping up on their cell phones and they click the link and do the survey online, which in a lot of ways, both for us and for the respondents, um, has advantages, um, although it also has its drawbacks, particularly in people feeling safe, you know, and so we're going through a big kind of program of trying to educate people about what are good texts and what are bad texts and how to tell the difference and how to be in control of your safety when you get something coming up on your cell phone. So let's say I'm somebody who gets a polling text from you, are you taking me then to a website or do I do the poll right there in my text message? We always use the link that is on our website. So the, the link will say alaskasurveyresearch.com forward slash survey or Alaska survey or something like that. Um, and so that's one of the first lessons about how to tell a bad text. If you've got com something coming through that's like bitly.com or some kind of shortened gobbledygook alphanumeric nonsense text, don't touch it, right? People have got to make the effort to make a, te a, a text link look um, trustworthy, right? And if people want to go to alaskasurveyresearch.com separately and check out, they'll find a viable website. They find we've been in Alaska doing business for 27 years or whatever it's been, um, and they can make the judgment there. But of course, it, understandably, there's a lot of distrust out there. So people are still at that point where like everything that comes through on text is bad. And so that's what I'm to pull people out of. So tell me, uh, you've been doing this since 1996. What are some of your favorite uh, memories of doing polls in Alaska for the last, you know, couple decades? Oh, heck, uh, it's not my favorite memory, but I remember, oh God, it's so awful thinking back to it, but it's such a classic example. I was in the field with a survey in September of 2001. Oh, wow. The survey started on like September 8th, I kid you not. And it was about fire safety in Anchorage. And um, the number one question in the survey was, imagine you get up in the morning and you look at the newspaper and the headline says, disaster strikes Anchorage. What disaster do you think that would be? What's the first thing that comes to your head? And it was a great question because we wanted to see how many people said fire. Mm -hmm. At what level is fire in the um, kind of order of what people would 
expect if disaster struck Anchorage. The results was like 70 plus percent was earthquake, right? But fire was eight, nine percent, something like that, was up in second or third place. So raising the visibility of that was interesting. And of course, September 11th rolls around and we all get up and towers are coming down on CNN and it's like our lives were never going to be the same again. And it was just the most surreal experience um, living through that. But then before long, there's a knock at the door and it's the FBI. Oh, jeez. Right? And they had gotten reports from people about my survey. And they came knocking at my door, like, I kid you not, 8.30 in the morning. And the marshals came and I'm saying, no, no, really, look, here's the questionnaire. It's okay, right? That was just freaky, bizarre. Talk about some uh, some <laughs> some bad timing on your end that probably- I know, I know. So did, did, uh, uh, did the, answers change after 9-11 or did it pretty much stay the same as you were getting the polls and the answers well, uh, what in terms to that uh, of that specific question yeah no uh, we never asked it again okay. um uh which is a shame it, it probably hasn't changed i mean how are you ever gonna um uh, shove earthquake to one side you know particularly after the one a few years ago so oh, man that was a huge one so yeah. let's talk a little bit about some of these recent polls that um, uh, you've uh, done, which I think are fascinating. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Anchorage mayor one. Walk us through just kind of high level points on what, what you polled and what kind of the overall data was. Well, um, the these polls that I, these particular poll results that I do, are on our quarterly surveys. Okay. Um, and we done these surveys regularly, both in Anchorage and statewide, um, every quarter kind of on the nose since 2010. So we have wow. tracks on uh, going back that long. Uh, I think in fact, um, the, the longest standing person on those surveys is Lisa Mikowski because she's uh, the only person who's been in office. So I've got a positive negative on Lisa Mikowski going back every quarter to 2010, which is kind of a scary um, amount of back data, right? Um, and uh, within Anchorage, we've asked about the mayor uh, the last few quarters. And generally speaking, he's dropping like a rock. I mean, perhaps not like a rock, dropping like something lighter than a rock, but he's losing about a point of approval every month um, and is getting to the point. It hasn't got any better since our last fielding, which was last month. Obviously, there was a fairly rancorous um, assembly meeting the other day and, um, you know, Nikki Shibaka quit and blah, blah, blah. It's just one problem after another. Um, and so it really is getting to the point where he's in kind of crisis situation in terms of um, not getting reelected. I mean, he's obviously 
he's back up when in 2024, right? Yeah. He's basically half halfway through. Um, and yeah, so there's time perhaps for him to recover, but it's kind of crisis time. It's uh, his disapproval is very high. I'm not in front of my uh, data right now, um, but uh, yeah, he's losing about a point a month in terms of approval. It was in the 30s. It's now in the 20s, um, and it's looking pretty bleak. So how's how are um, our Congresswoman Mary Patola, Senator Lisa Murkowski, and Governor Dunleavy are they faring better better than uh, the mayor of Anchorage in terms of um, yes, good, all, good all of them are. Peltola is obviously in, uh, she's still categorically in honeymoon phase. Um, her approval rating, um, uh, her approval is up in the 50s. Actually, her positive negative, let me take let, let me take a step back, is a difference between positive negative rating and an approval rating. An approval rating is a job rating. Do you approve or disapprove the job that such and such is doing? With Mary, she's only been in there two months. So there's really um, fairly minimal opportunity for people to get a sense of actually her job approval. Um, but her positive negative her positive is at 56%. Um, and that's the highest positive of any statewide public figure in Alaska. Um, the next one down is Dunleavy on 47. So she's nearly 10 points higher um, in terms of a positive rating than Dunleavy at 47. Mikowski's on 46. Sullivan's on 40 five and then um uh, if i my memory serves me uh trump is on 39 and then biden brings up the rear on 30. he's oh, not very popular geez, 30. Uh, but that's pretty that's pretty incredible her numbers haven't really changed since the numbers we recorded um back in october three months ago because remember it's a quarterly thing um, where she was in the last month of the campaign, positive, negative, pretty much the same. So she's, um, uh, like I said, in that honeymoon phase, which is great for her, but there's only one direction to go, and that's downhill. And, you know, she gets stuck into the messy business of actually legislating um that will be problematic i mean already since the survey fielded which was in mid-january uh we've had the news that uh, she hired josh Rivak um in her uh, alaska office which was an interesting hire um obviously um yeah that seems like that was a, a controversial uh, um uh, higher, you know, both for Democrats certainly, and Republicans. Certainly controversial from the point of view of died in the world Democrats. Mm -hmm. um, were screaming and squawking about it, uh, but it's also positive from the point of view of reaching across the aisle and um, not paying any attention to party affiliation and ideology and just getting the work done. So we'll see how that pans out. That's the good thing about doing quarterly because we'll the next survey we'll do will be in April and we'll get a sense of how things have moved. So if you know you've at least Senator Murkowski, you've been doing this since for a while now. 
What do you think her, just off the top of your head, has she been as high as Mary at some point, 56, 57%? Oh, sure. She's been at 60, uh-huh. like a few years back. Um, uh, y- y- yeah. Um, uh, most of the time, um, she was, uh, you know, positive in the low 50s. Um, negative around 30, 35%. Um, it's come down. Obviously, it's just been through a pretty brutal campaign. And um, just in the last kind of year or two has reached the point where the conservative wing um, of the electorate, which depending on how you define it, is, you know, 25 to 35% of the population, um, just roundly despise her, um, particularly um, since she uh, dodged a bullet um, this last election uh, and actually managed to get reelected. Um, so it's kind of tough to maintain a 50% positive when a third of the population hate you. Yeah, that's going to be tough. <laughs> But uh, yeah. she's uh, she's very resilient, and you know she keeps winning, so she's doing something right for folks. Yeah, I guess. So let's chat about um, the you know now that kind of the dust has settled in the November twenty twenty two elections. What do you think this means for Alaska? You know, we had the gamut of Dunleavy, who's um, unapologetically pro life, to Murkowski, that's the moderate, to Mary Congresswoman Potola, who's unapologetically pro-choice. You had this huge gamut of like folks that won these uh, statewide elections um, under rank, new ranked choice voting. What do you think this means long-term for Alaska, this, this kind of um, schizophrenic uh, last election? It's not schizophrenic. It's classic Alaskan, John. Um, <laughs> one of the first um, adages I ever heard when I got involved in politics back in the early 90s, right, was that as far as Alaskans were concerned, it wasn't about, it it was about the person, not the party, right? Uh, Go back to Ted Stevens, um, forget party affiliation, do what's best for Alaska, right? Um, And so that kind of sense of independence um, and um, kind of a lack of adherence to party, we kind of lost that for a while. Um, but maybe kind of this was the nudge we needed to get back towards it. Personally speaking, I think it's great having um, being represented in our highest offices by people across the spectrum. Don't you? I mean, uh, you know, Dunleavy is the governor, um, Peltola as the representative, and um, Mikowski and Sullivan as the two uh, senators. That's a great mix, you know, instead of having everyone being from the extreme wing of one side or the other. Why would you want that? Um, having a, a, a a variety of views um, is a healthy thing. That's what I think anyway. Well, part of what makes Don't America you? awesome is that um, we uh, we get to come to the table with different viewpoints 
and have a conversation like this. And we don't have to face jail or consequences for doing right. it. You know, one of the interesting things is that, like, did this schizophrenic thing, um, as you call it, uh, I just think varied and healthy uh, situation, did it arise because of RCV or would it have done it anyway? I was actually asked on Twitter the other day, how do you think things would have gone if we'd had this last election under the old rule? Um, and it was a it was a very good question. Of course, there's no way of answering it because there's so many parameters that may have gone differently. Uh, the one thing that we can say without any shadow of a doubt is that Lisa Mikowski would no longer be the senator. And that, in a nutshell, is why the movement here is growing to get rid of RCV because it's perceived. Um, that it was a deal to kind of uh, get Lisa Mikowski through the election or whatever. Um, that's actually a very, very unusual thing for something um, like that, for the outcome to be so different. Um, the Peltola against Palin and Begich situation is a little bit more tricky. If that had been a Republican primary, um, I think Sarah Palin almost certainly would have won. I mean, she beat Begich in the RCV, um, kind of getting second place um, over his third place kind of thing. And so in a Republican primary, she almost certainly would have won. Um, but then Peltola would have beaten her in a general election. Obviously, you've got the potential of a third party candidate getting in there um, instead of the RCV where it boils down to the final two and it was Peltola and Palin there may have been a third party candidate I don't know an AIP but that would have hurt uh, Palin um, yeah, I think, Mary, I think they, Mary wins in that situation yeah. even if ranked choice voting is not there yeah it would have been exactly the same I think the governor's race would have been exactly the same um, uh, and you know the Mikowski phenomenon is um, is not something that's always going to happen that way, right? Uh, the classic example that I love to bring up uh, is 1994, um, when uh, Tony Knowles uh, first won the governorship of Alaska, beating Jim Campbell, the Republican candidate, um, and Jack Coghill running as an AIP, the Alaska Independent Party candidate, um, pulled 13% in the general, right? And Knowles won by 500 vote, votes statewide. Jeez. If that had been an RCV race, clear as the nose on your face, Coghill is the last one eliminated um, and his 13% goes 90% to Jim Campbell. He wins by 10 points. Tony Knowles never would have been governor. Um, so, you know, it's a good thing. I mean, do people look back at that 94 governor race and think that that was an appropriate result for Tony Knowles to win the governorship with like whatever he had, 40, 41 percent um, of the vote and Coghill splitting the vote with the Republican? Well, I think it wasn't. I think the tougher thing now these days is people just don't like to accept 
the end result, regardless of what, what party you're on. Right. And that's a tough cookie to swallow, I think. So, and looking at it and blaming the Mikowski thing on ranked choice voting, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which I think is a shame. Uh, and then, of course, the other thing that uh, raises distrust, um, which I think was a stupid, stupid mistake on the part of the division of elections, who I thought did an awesome job all the way through that whole first ranked choice voting uh, experiment. The mistake they made was the decision to basically not do the ranking, the elimination, until all the ballots had come in. Uh, so you got yeah. election. And then we got to wait two weeks for all the ballots to over. Yeah, did that ballot. sure piss everybody off? <laughs> yeah. Like, or shenanigans were going on there because it was taking so long and there's no excuse for it to go on this long blah, blah, blah. why the division of elections couldn't on election day okay here are the votes that have been received so far because it's only like pressing the button bloop, 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 and this is how the elimination would occur if this data was final yeah this person would be the winner and then three days later when there's an update of the vote press the button again bloop, and see how, because that would have been so much better. I don't know why they made the decision not to do that. So uh, in your opinion, do you think ranked choice voting is the new law of the land, like meaning it's gonna be here for the next 30 years? No, uh, we, did the, we, we asked a question. Um, I've asked for, boy, five or six consecutive surveys, whether people think that ranked choice voting was a good thing or a bad thing. Um, for Alaska, and it's always been close, um, sometimes with good thing, one or two points ahead, sometimes with, with bad thing, one or two points ahead. Um, obviously, getting through the election season and the election last November and getting the first complete ranked choice voting election season under our belt, right? Um uh, was uh, an important um, point for people to be able to answer the question um, with that experience behind yeah. them, right? Um, and actually, this last survey we fielded last month, we asked a repeal question, saying if on a future ballot, um, a question about repealing ranked choice voting and going back to the system that existed before. And I don't even know uh, what the uh, legality of a situation like that is. Uh, but basically getting rid of ranked choice voting, would you vote yes to repeal or no to keep it? And it was 5347 uh, mm. to get rid of it. So any sense that getting this election under our belt was going to make people think, oh, ranked choice voting is great. And the more that they experienced it, the more that they would grow to like it is not true. If anything, it's got a few points worse because, of course, it only passed by like half a point, right? It was very close when it passed. And now this last poll, 53% to repeal it. So it's going to be a struggle. Um, the pro kind of defending RCV loads of money will come in from oh, yeah. outside so they're hugely well funded um it's obviously a question at this point as to whether the kind of anti-rcv side kelly shibaka in her new role as 
the uh, killer of RCV, um, actually manages to get the signatures to get it on the ballot, um, uh, getting a statewide initiative um, successfully onto the ballot requires a lot of money. Oh, man. Um, and just so much organization. That's the thing where I, you know, I personally did not vote for ranked choice voting. Um, but I think unless, you know, there's, they got the, this new group that's out there, as we know, that's got an approved thing with the lieutenant governor to, to get, uh, you know, collect signatures and all that kind of stuff. And man, I just, uh, takes a lot of money. And I just think that the it, side that is opposing ranked choice voting is going to be probably outspent five to one, six to one, 10 to one. Right. Yeah, no, the, um, there was a change to the uh, initiative rules about probably 15 years ago now. Uh, before the change, um, there was no requirement for getting the signatures um, in any region. Um, so you could basically park mm -hmm. someone outside the library um, for three weeks uh, and they could collect all the signatures there. And, you know, there were the hot spots. People would go out to the airport. People would go kind of like on the sky bridge from the Fifth Avenue Mall over to the garage, right? Um, and those kind of good places where you could collect signatures and set up your ironing board. Um, but then the change that got made required that um, the signatures that you got uh, be from people all around the state, right? Which I actually and like. so there was more of a requirement um, that people had to jump through to get a certain number of signatures from a majority of the house districts around the state, which made it more complicated. So I've been- So uh, we'll see what- It'll always be, it'll always be close. So uh, we, uh, we, 40 minutes went by quick, tell you that much. Um, hey, you haven't why I'm wearing a Pink, Pink Floyd t-shirt. Tell us about your Pink Floyd t-shirt. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, I, my daughter actually has a similar t-shirt. Pink Floyd is, uh, we like Pink Floyd in my household. Yeah. Well, we're just two lost souls <laughs> swimming in a, aren't we, John? Um, no, uh, uh, because I asked a question. I don't think it was this last time. I think it was the time before that uh, on the Alaska survey. Um, uh, which was the question to end all questions. Which do you prefer, Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin? Ooh, and that's a tough one. I'm not going to tell you the results uh, because what we're actually doing is I'm enjoying asking more questions like that, kind of fun questions. Um, another one we asked is kind of like, um, do you have a tattoo anywhere on your body? Um, th that one is uh, very interesting and varies in a fascinating way by age uh, and also by party affiliation. Uh, and those kinds of results, those kind of fun things um, that make polling cool, uh, we're going to turn into little videos and stick them out on uh, on uh, the old social media. So uh, the Pink Floyd letter uh, will be one of the first ones that we do. Um, and so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. Ivan Moore is making polling cool again. I love it. Um, so, Ivan, tell us, uh, uh, somebody wants to hear about what you're doing. Tell us about where they can find you on the website, social media, and all that kind of stuff. If they want to sign up for your newsletter, where do they find you? Right. Uh, on the World Wide Webs, um, it's uh, alaskasurveyresearch.com. Alaskasurveyresearch, all one word. Dot com. And I put out a lot of uh, um, survey results. Uh, on the Twitter, um, and my handle there is at sign 
Ivan Moore one. Um, so if you're on the twits, uh, come and follow me. That's usually where people see things first. Um, Twitter is a great thing. I mean, only kind of four or five percent of the population um, is on it, but just about every journalist, uh, of course, um, say what you want about uh, the changes um, Mr. Musk uh, has brought to Twitter, but it's still a great thing. Yeah. Uh, it's my preferred social media. Um, uh, I'm also on the Facebook and put stuff out there uh, occasionally. You can just search for me, uh, personal account on Facebook or the Alaska Survey Research account. So come follow. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Ivan, for joining us. Uh, well, you're welcome back anytime. We'll probably have you on here again in the next couple months. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Must Read Alaska show. Uh, we really appreciate folks tuning in and listening, watching, and reading uh, from the millions of views that we get every month on our website to the uh, lots of you that listen to the show to even we even have an app. So if you go to the App Store on the iTunes or Google Play, just type in Must Read Alaska. And you can get our app for free right there to get news delivered right to your phone and cut out all the noise that you'd maybe find on uh, Safari or, or another website. You can get the app for free. Uh, it's always for free. So go down and download it. Uh, the app is yours. So uh, until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. And you're going to want to tune in all week because we got six guests this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Have an awesome rest of your day.